Melissa got here well over 11 years ago, gave her life to the Lord, was radically transformed by God, and at one of our events, um, heard clearly and distinctly from the Lord that she was called to be a missionary in India. Now, how many know God's plans aren't always linear? Um, you know, the journey often takes its own twists and turns, and uh, Melissa, if you ever get a chance to talk to her, can tell you there were several twists and turns between 17, 18 years old and where she's at now. Um, but God has always been faithful at every turn. And so she is now getting close to the opportunity in April, is it, Melissa? In April, where she will finally be able to go to India as a missionary to do the work that God has called her to do. And uh, amen, you can praise God for that. And uh, I'm just so, so proud and so grateful. And I remember, I was just thinking about this as I was considering this announcement. And uh, I'm sure Melissa remembers, but a couple years ago, we were at Illinois camp and we were praying with, you know, 500 kids, just praying over missionaries. And we had all these different missionaries. And I looked at Melissa and I, it was like, I, was, I wasn't angry, but I was like frustrated. Uh, and I just said, Melissa, I love you to death, but if you're still here five years from now, I will be heartbroken. And it's because when God calls you to go, you go. And we, we're thankful that she didn't go ahead of God, that she has been patient and faithful in the Lord. And she's going to tell you all the details about what she's doing. But as far as Pastor and I can tell, and we were looking over this, we have never had a missionary come out of Belmont that we have sent. We've supported over 60 missionaries right now. But this would be the first missionary from our house that we have sent. And I pray to God it's not the last. Amen? Would you give it up for Melissa Igartua? Man, thank you, P. Joey. So like P. Joey said, man, it is so humbling to stand before you guys. Woo. You know, I had things to say, and then P. Joey said all that, and I'm like, shoot. Okay, I'm holding it back. I'm holding it together, guys. But thank you so much. You guys have literally been there from the beginning. You guys have loved and prayed and supported me and the call of God over my life. And literally from the beginning, when I started following Jesus, to um, when I went on my first short-term trip overseas to India, to serving and reconciling students to Christ at UIC on the university campus to literally now getting ready for my first long-term commitment in India. Thank you, Belmont, for sending me as your global worker. Thank you. Thank you. So like I said, um, I am a global worker with Live Dead India, also known as Common Table India. And we spread the gospel in a place in India where there's 1.3 billion people and less than 2% of the population have access to the gospel. And so we are using a business as missions model in order to spread the gospel among the unreached. But... I do marketing, and that's what my, my background is in, and I'm so excited because I'm going to be doing marketing for a community center that my church planting team is starting in northern India. So what we're going to be doing, we're going to have a women's empowerment program where we're going to help uh, create micro businesses so that way women that are at risk or women that are widowed, uh, they will be able to sustain their families, and we're going to also be doing outreaches on a online video game platform. Okay, that is new for me. Praise the Lord. I will not be playing video games overseas, I promise. Um, but <laughs> I'm just going to be doing marketing for it, okay? But uh, the last thing that we're doing at the community center, I'm really excited about it. We're going to be partnering with Convoy of Hope and the North Indian Assemblies of God, and we're going to be doing disaster relief. So we're going to be boots on the ground should anything happen in our part of the world. Um, and it's so exciting because uh, we're also going to be working with 15,000 Afghani refugees that are resettled in Northern India. So there's just a huge opportunity uh, that we have. Um, and so at Live Dead India, also known as Common Table India, our mission is to invite strangers to become family. And we believe that that all happens and it begins at a common table. And what we do in India, we have these business platforms like the community center that my team is starting, but we have other things like IT companies and coffee shops and art galleries. And we have these businesses because they provide the context for uh, meaningful community and relationship building with the people around us. And in turn, through the people that we meet, we introduce them to Jesus through our lives. And we and we do all of this. All of this is surrendered around the idea that the gospel doesn't need a pulpit. The gospel needs a table. Okay, because in India, before we'll ever have a pulpit, we will have a table, and we're gonna and we're gonna use that table um, to fulfill the Great Commission. 
And so there's just a huge opportunity that we have. And Lord willing, on April 1st, Joey said April. On April 1st, I will be on a plane uh, moving to India, um, and we are going to be spreading the gospel among people that have never heard, okay? It's not easy to follow Jesus in India. In fact, it's it's dangerous to follow Jesus in India, Um, and people are persecuted for their faith there, but we believe that when we get there, when our team gets there, we get boots on the ground, and with every person that we meet and we invite to our table, we believe that we're pushing back the darkness, and we're letting the light and the truth of Jesus shine in a dark place. And so thank you, Belmont. It's in partnership with people and churches like you, sending global workers where work has not been done yet. And the beauty of the common table, the beauty of inviting one more person to your table is that it's so strategic and it's a powerful tool to live on mission no matter where you are. Because Matthew 28, 18 says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that means, that means, Belmont, that you are on mission just as much as I am. And my question, my question for you this morning is, is who are you inviting to your table? You know, whether it's your salad table or the table at Starbucks or your small group table Excel, like who are you inviting to your table? Because we're all on mission together. So thank you, Belmont. Thank you, Belmont, for sending me. Thank you, Pastor Carlos and P. Joey. You know, actually, what you said was, I love you, Melissa, but if you do not leave America in the next five years, he said, I'm kicking you out. <laughs> That's what he said, okay? Okay, for the record, this is being recorded, amen. But anyway, love you guys. <laughs> amen. I've always joked, Melissa is the most Puerto Rican or Indian Puerto Rican I've ever met in my life. She can't speak Spanish, but she can speak Urdu. So, um, and uh, you know, she needs uh, a certain number of cash on hand in order to stay doing what God has called her to do. And it's a large number in our eyes. It's about 18,000 that she needs. And that's why she's traveling around churches right now, continuing to garner support. Uh, But I was just thinking about this. Um, I mentioned earlier, she's a daughter of the house. And I know this now, having two daughters myself, that it's one thing birthing them, it's another thing raising them. And raising them costs money. And it it takes a, a village to be able to raise the people that God has called us to reach. And if she's gonna continue to be the hand uh, for Belmont in India, for God to do what he's called us to do, then we need to be able to support that. And so in a moment, we're going to collect our offering. Ushers, if you could prepare yourselves. If you feel it impressed on your heart, and please don't do it out of obligation, but if you are, are sensing the Lord uh, wanting you to partner, whether it's $5 or $500, however you feel the Lord is leading you to do, uh, when you put in the offering, if you want to put in the envelope, just you can put the name Melissa. If you're giving online under that indicator, just put the word Melissa. If we see Melissa on anything, you know, Hopefully your, your tithe check, your first name isn't Melissa because we might just give it to her. Um, but if we see Melissa on anything, we want to make sure that we support what God is doing. And here's the deal. Um, I've, I've worked in this for a while and I've seen a lot of people who go and come right back. Uh, my greatest sadness, and I know Melissa's mom is here and she feels the same way. Uh, we don't expect you to come back. Not for a long time and only to ask for more money. Um, and so we're grateful because we know what she is going to do, she believes in with everything in her. So I want to pray for her and then I want to pray for the offering and we want to pray that God would bless all of that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this precious daughter. God, we thank you that your call is irrevocable. That it doesn't matter how long, it doesn't matter all the twists and turns, it doesn't matter all the highs and lows, your call is irrevocable and you have shown that and proven that in this moment right now. And so we thank you, God, that Melissa heard the call and trusted and had faith in every way, God, that you would somehow, some way, provide an opportunity for her to give her life to you in India. And Lord, we pray even now, God, for the women that she's going to encounter in India, for the people that she's going to encounter in India. Lord, we pray for divine appointments. We pray for every conversation. May it be salted with you, oh Lord Jesus. We pray that every encounter, everything she puts her hand to will be fruitful, God, not so that she can draw the praise of men, but so that she could give the honor and the glory to you, God. So, Lord, we pray, anoint her, Father. Put a special anointing over her hands and feet, God. Guide every step that she moves. May the words that she speak be only from your lips, God. May the things that she do be only according to your spirit, Lord. And, Father, we thank you for this 
this offering, God. We understand that you can do things any which way, oh Lord, but you have chosen your people to support your mission, God. So Father, I pray that we would be selfless in our giving, God, that we would trust your voice the same way Melissa has trusted you, and that we wouldn't give begrudgingly, but we would give because we know we're giving unto you. We thank you for this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The atmosphere is changing Nothing stays the same Heaven is waiting For the mention of the name The spirit is moving Burning like a flame Healing the broken By the one we proclaim Raise it up, fill the skies, chains will fall, mountains move, we lift you high, speak the name, the name above all other names, speak the name, the name the wind and waves obey. Praise the Lord. That's a good song. 
Blessed be his wonderful name. Good morning, church. Hey, by the way, just to uh, let you know that at the end of the service, Melissa is going to be out in the foyer. She has a table all set up there. And if you'd like to stop by for a few moments and chat with her, find out a little bit more details about her ministry and what God has called her to do, you can do that right at the conclusion of the service. How many know that tonight is going to be Super Bowl? How many watch the Super Bowl? Let me see your hand. Not that many, as much as I thought. All right. With the Super Bowl, one of the things it does, it really depresses Bears fans. (laughs) It just... We got there once, and it's like, ah, it's a depressing time of year. But here's the other thing about the Super Bowl. It is, without a doubt, one of the leading days for the consumption of junk food. Where... People gather around the television with, with, and they just begin to get all their chips and salsa and God only knows all kind of crazy stuff. By the way, junk food is defined as that which has little or no nutritional value. Uh, I don't know what value chips have, but probably not much. See, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I want to talk to you today about nutrition. I want to talk to you about the fact that nutrition really is food that nourishes our, our, our body. It, it, it plays a crucial role in, in promoting health as well as uh, uh, warding off chronic disease. Food does that. And here's a uh, a fact that I came across that really didn't surprise me. Statistically, less than 10% of Americans maintain a nutritious diet. We are notorious for bad eating. In fact, in an effort to, uh, to help us, in 1990, the, the law was passed that all food, uh, in, whether it's in cans or boxes that, that you purchase, have to have a nutritional label on it. How many know what I'm talking about, right? That label in the back. And it's there to try to help you recognize and look at and evaluate how much nutrition uh, does this food have? Will it really nourish my body? Is it healthy for me, in other words? And uh, even though that was done in 1990, we really haven't seen much movement as far as uh, us having a better uh, nutritional diet, but it is what it is. This is America. Now, as I've often mentioned, that the, the physical realm often mirrors the spiritual realm. And so that started me thinking as I was looking at uh, this and thinking about this nutritional value and what's true nourishment, I started asking myself, well, what is that that really, truly nourishes our spirit? What is that? And statistically, is spiritual nourishment among Christians a much higher percentage than physical nourishment among us in general in the physical realm. In other words, are we the believers that that take in true spiritual nourishment that really helps us spiritually on a regular basis? Are we consistent in our taking in that which the Bible indicates is true nourishment for our soul, for our spirit? If you have your Bible, open it up with me to uh, the book of, uh, of, of John chapter 4. 
We're going to get there in verse 31 in a minute, but let me just uh, set up the scene so you get the picture. The disciples have been traveling with Jesus, and Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, but he had to pass through Samaria, and uh, there, there was a long journey, and they stopped off in a town called Sychar. And Jesus sends the disciples into the village to buy food while he rests there by the well. It was midday, and as he is resting there by the well, a woman comes, a Samaritan woman. And let me pause here and let you know that the Samaritans and the Jews really didn't get along. Jews did not speak to Samaritans. Samaritans really didn't engage in conversation with the Jews. They didn't like each other. And so this woman, Samaritan woman, comes to the well and Jesus asks her for a drink. And the woman now is wondering, why is this man speaking with me? She obviously discerned quickly that Jesus was a Jew, and ordinarily that would, conversation would not take place, much less in those days Hebrew men or Jewish men would not speak to a woman. So there's a double whammy going on here. There's this woman, why is this Jew speaking to me? Why is this man speaking to me? So she was surprised by that. But Jesus said to her, if you would have asked me, I would give you a true drink where you would need to go to this well any longer. And so that struck up a dialogue with this woman. And uh, so Jesus is having this conversation with, with this woman. And in the, while this conversation is going on, the disciples came back with the food that they had purchased in the town. Now we'll pick it up in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvesting, but I say to you, wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it is true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Pray with me. Father, we come before you now. This is the critical moment, the hour where our spirits turn to you and we want to hear what your word has to say to us today, God. It's not about me, the speaker. It's about your spirit opening up all of our understanding so we can really, truly grasp what you're trying to say to us here today so that we can be in a better place spiritually. I pray your blessing on everything that I say and on every ear, that we would all be given an ear to hear what the spirit has to say. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Okay. So now, notice now the disciples are asking Jesus to eat something, but he said, I've got food that you don't know anything about. And they're wondering, well, wait a second. Did somebody give him some food while we were gone? So then he now explains it to them that he had food that nourished him, that was nutritious to his spirit. And that nourishment, Jesus said, was to do the will of God and to finish the work God had given him to do. And so he then turns around and he exhorts his disciples to wake up, 
Now, men, these, these men were traveling every single day with Jesus. They heard this incredible words that would come from them. They see every miracle every single day. Uh, in fact, the Gospel of John records that if he was to write down all the miracles that they saw Jesus do in the three years he walked earth, there wouldn't be enough books to contain the record of the miracles. So they, they're, they're with Jesus every day, seeing the miracles, and they're hearing his words, and yet Jesus has to tell his disciples, you need to wake up. You need to understand, you need to see spiritually that true nourishment is the opportunity to do God's will and to finish the work that he gives you to do. And Jesus was saying that because while they're having this conversation with him, the woman had left and she had gone into town and she had told everybody, you gotta come out and see the man that has told me everything about my life. Could this actually be the Messiah, the man that we've been waiting for? So now the, the whole town is literally coming out and Jesus must have seen this entire crowd coming out to, to just to meet him. And he He's realizing this is the opportunity. This is the time to bring in this harvest of souls, to see them enter the kingdom. But the disciples were blind to that. And so he had to tell them, you need to wake up. And if you would go on to finish reading this chapter, you would discover that the entire town put their faith in Jesus. Jesus ministered and turned that whole town around to finish the work that God had given them to do. Now let's make the connection to you and I here today because I want to talk to you. I've titled this message, True Nourishment. True Nourishment. And what I mean by that is that which promotes spiritual health and prevents spiritual disease. True nourishment is that which promotes spiritual health, in this case let's go spiritual growth, and prevents spiritual disease. See, and notice that Jesus made it very clear for us today to understand what true nourishment is. He said, true nourishment is to do the will of God and to finish the work that he gives you to do. That is true nourishment. That is what truly brings health to our spiritual life. Now, let me break it down even more and define that the will of God. What is the will of God? I have found over the years as a pastor that so many Christians struggle trying to understand, well, what's the will of God for my life? Uh, obviously, uh, Melissa uh, discovered that the will of God for her life is missions. I would submit to you it's far more than that, and we're going to get into that. So, uh, so let me break it down for all of us to try to simplify it, so it because it isn't complex at all. To, the will of God is simple. Simply that which God has planned for you to do. That's as simple as it is. The will of God is that which God has planned for you to do. Listen to the, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For we are God's masterpiece. Let me just put a period right there and pause for a second. I want you all to look at me. Everyone that's online, I want you to look at me. You are seeing a masterpiece. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness somewhere? Yeah, this is, this is, a, this is a masterpiece. God don't make junk. Every single one of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ, every single one of us that has had yes to him being our savior, we now have become a masterpiece. God has created something beautiful and awesome in our life. And notice, let's go back to our verse. We are God's masterpiece. Why? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned law for, uh, for us long ago. So notice, we are saved not to go to heaven. Uh oh, the pastor preach heresy now. Listen, we are saved, we are created by God so that we can do here on earth what God already planned for us to do. 
That is the purpose for why we are saved. If we were saved for the purpose of going to heaven, then I would submit to you uh, that God would save you and then boom, you would die and go right to heaven. Because then God would say, I don't want to give you a chance to mess it up. So let me take you right away. No, but we are saved, notice, so that we can do God's will. And what is God's will? What he planned for us to do. Now, here's something important about that. Let me turn to Matthew's gospel in verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You talk about going to heaven. Listen to what Jesus is saying. These are, these are the words of Jesus. Only those who actually do the what? Will. Come on, say it out loud. The what? Will. Of who? My Father in heaven will enter. I'm going to put a pause right there. You can call Jesus Lord all you want. Not my words, his words. Not everybody who calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. The only person that's going to heaven are those who do my father's will. Let me go on. Verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. What does that mean? Let me simplify. Activity doesn't mean you're doing God's will. Notice that there are people that when we stand before God and every single one of us in this room one day is going to stand before God, whether you go to heaven or not, that, that's going to be determined by what you do while you're here on this earth because it's not enough just to say, Lord, Lord. You got to be engaged in doing God's will. So what's God's will? Well, Jesus made it clear it's not just activity. Because there were people that stood before God on that day. Hey, we cast out demons in your name and we did miracles. But he said, here's the problem. I don't know you. What does that mean? It means simply this. If you want to know what God has planned for your life, you've got to first know God. You had to be in this relationship with God where you are spending time alone with God so that he can reveal to you what he has purposed and planned for your life because it's not about activity, it's about you following what God has planned for your life. See, many Christians are engaged in activity. They, 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 I'm going to serve. Hey, I got a good voice, so I'm here in, in, uh, in the worship team. And Pastor Jason finally realized that I am a masterpiece and that I can sing. And, and, and see, singing isn't what God wants me to do. It's what I want to do. Because perhaps what God really wants me to do is teach children. But I don't want these children. I'd rather sing. And many times, Christians get involved and they are active, but they are actively doing their own will, not God's will. And so it winds up happening, if that's you, when you stand before God, you're going to hear God say, get away from me. I never knew you. Everything you ever did, it wasn't about my will, it was about your will. So it's important that we know that activity doesn't mean you're doing God's will. No. See, such activity is really all about you. And when it's all about you, it's never true nourishment. Because your spirit isn't healthy when you're living a lifestyle that is based upon what you want rather than what God wants. When we live a lifestyle that's based upon what we plan, then we get into big trouble 
because our, our spirit is not healthy. And when your spirit is not healthy, you are susceptible to spiritual disease. You are open to all kind of ungodly influence that affects your soul. Our activity must be centered around knowing Christ, spending time with him so that we can learn from him that which he has purposed and planned. And when we are engaged in what God has purposed and planned, now our soul gets truly healthy. Our spirit is truly nourished. Are you with me so far? Okay. So now, let me break down even more now. Uh, I'll use... Oh, I'll use Melissa, our missionary for today. Let me change things around. I was going to use Pastor Joey, but he's not a good example. <laughs> Let's use Melissa. The, let me break down the will of God for Melissa. In order, okay? Number, number one, Melissa, and this is because the, the, the will of God can be broken down into two compartments. The general and the specific. Let me talk about the general right now. The general, number one, is her faith as a Christian. The will of God encompasses, the general means what God has purposed and planned for my life. I am now a Christian. I need to make sure that God's will is revealed in my life by following the word of God. That's the general. Then, because she is a daughter, the next aspect of her life that is part of God's will is how she honors her mom. She's got a phenomenal mom. Thank you, um, but that, that, See, that, that was a mother clapping right there. <laughs> and thirdly, last is the ministry God has called it to as a missionary. Notice that's last. Before she ever engages in doing missionary work, she has to make sure that she's honoring her mom because that's what the Bible teaches us, you see. That's the general will of God, that just using Melissa as an example. So now, here's the specifics to that. Because there's always, under the general umbrella, there's now the specifics of that. Now, the specific entail, what does God plan for her life every single day? You see, God's will is encompassed in a daily umbrella. So that Melissa now, as a Christian, has to wake up, spend time with God every day, and find out from God, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Because God has a fresh menu of his will for you and I every single day. So every day, okay, God, as I'm spending time with you and praying and reading my Bible, what is it that you have purpose and plan for me today? And God may put somebody on Melissa's heart to, to call or to pray for. He may speak to her in a, in a general way of saying, this is what I want you to do when you get to church. Tell Pastor Carlos he's the best pastor in the world. <laughs> Specifics that God will direct her. Not only will in as far as her missionary work, uh, God will direct her in that on how she's going to go, what churches she's to go to, what she's going to do when she gets to India. But listen, even before she leaves, today she still has to pray, God, what's your will concerning my mom, my home, my parents? What is it that you want me to do today that will honor them? Every single one of us has the general and the specific. Pastor Joey's the Christian, but then he is a husband, then he is a father, then he is a son, and then he's a pastor in the church. Notice that's the last thing. See, sometimes think that some of us are confused and thinking God's will puts what happens in church at the very top but it's actually at the very bottom. 
Because what good is it you being an angel here but being a little devil at home? And some of us, we like to honor people in church, but we don't like to honor our parents. And we got it all backwards. And we don't realize, no, God's will is always, as a husband, my number one responsibility before all of you is to first make sure that I'm taking care of my wife. And every day that God gives me breath, I need to ask God, how do you want me to be a good husband today, God? I assure you, if every spouse in this place prayed to get God's will on how you can be a better spouse today, not tomorrow, today. I know tomorrow is Valentine's. And all you're thinking, how about, but listen, every day is supposed to be Valentine's. I only heard the women say amen. (laughs) I tell you why. It's because all the guys know it means work for me, Pastor. You, man, come on, Pastor. What are you, you're killing me here. Our role, God's will in the life of a husband is to look for every single day how he can express his love to his wife. And if you're not doing that, you're out of the will of God. Ooh, I knew it would get quiet on that one. Yeah, it's work. You can't take anything for granted. You got to constantly be looking and say, okay, God, what can I do today? And sometimes when you pray, God will tell you, begin with saying you're sorry. That's why some of you don't even want to pray. You you don't want to talk to God because you know what he's going to say. And wives, come on. Your day, every day you wake up, the first thing you should do is, God, thank you, you gave me a masterpiece. Thank you, God. That man of mine is a masterpiece. Why is my wife the one that's laughing the most? I don't know. Listen, I've been married long enough to know this. There's times when we get on each other's nerves. But we don't spend enough time Do you see what I have to deal with? Do you see? We need to spend more time focusing on the good things instead of the bad. Because we all have, we're all a work in progress. Yeah, we're a masterpiece, but God isn't finished painting all the, the brush strokes and, and all the colors, and, and it's still a work. We're all a work in progress. But if we would spend time every day and say, God, How can I be a better spouse today? How can I be a better parent today? How can I be a better sibling or a better son or a better daughter? Our homes would be so much more blessed. The fragrance of Christ would be so much more evident in our home. And as Melissa was talking about missions and evangelism, which we're all called to, begins with setting a table. A table at home, what makes it effective is when people come in and if they sense the peace of God in your home, you're already ahead of the game, you see. But if they come into your home and they sense turmoil and strife, you'd be hard-pressed to share the gospel and have them believe it. So we need to make sure that we're in that place. And I know I'm taking a little bit of time here, but this is important that we realize the specifics is every single day, God, what is it that your purpose and plan for me to do? Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, come on, say therefore with me. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The days are evil. Everywhere you turn, there is anger, there's strife, there's all violence, everything is all. The, 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 the darkness in this world is getting heavier and heavier, and it's going to get that way just prior to the Lord's return. Yes. 
So how are we going to survive? Well, the Bible says, don't be foolish. You got to understand what God's will is. You got to wake up, as Jesus told the disciples. You can't be unwise. You can't live foolishly. We need to wake up and make the most of every opportunity. What does that mean? Every day that God speaks to you, he'll reveal to you what he wants you to do. That's his will for that day. Don't worry about tomorrow. And you can't undo yesterday. It's only, you can only focus on today. What God desires for you to do today. And can I add this? Doing the work that God has called us to do isn't suspended because of the pandemic. God has a formula. God has a way to enable you and I to still be effective in ministering the gospel of Christ as letting people know about his love. We're living in a time, not, yes, we're living in a time of great anger, but we're also living in a time of unprecedented depression. Unprecedented depression. And we have the light that can shine into the darkness that is covering the souls of so many, you see. I believe that this pandemic doesn't hurt us, but actually gives us opportunity to minister the gospel of Christ. If Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, if Paphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings, he is always wrestling in prayer for you. What's he praying for? Listen, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. That you may stand firm in all the way. In other words, that you may not be wavering in your commitment, not just to do the world, the work, uh, the will of God, but to finish it, to do all the work that He's called you to do. That's what brings true nourishment to our spirit. That's what produces maturity, as Paul outlined here. Here's the problem, worship team. If you would come. Too many times, we, the people of God, start picking and choosing what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, what we're going to obey and what we're not going to obey. You see, looking into my own heart, I've recognized something that we all share in common. It is never that we don't know what God wants us to do. Because Jesus said, the Spirit of God will reveal to you that which is purpose and plan for your life. The Spirit of God that dwells within every believer speaks to our heart. And I have discovered in my own heart, it is never that I don't know what God wants me to do. The question always is, do I want to do what God is telling me to do? Are you following where I'm going with that? See, it's not, we can, we can fake ignorance. Well, I don't know. I, can, I know in my own heart because God is faithful and the spirit of God is faithful. He will reveal to you that which God has purposed and planned for your life every day. The will of God on a daily basis. The question always is, will you embrace it? Will you and I say, okay, God, I know now what you want me to do. It's not an easy thing, but this is what I'm going to do because if I start picking and choosing, then I'm in that place where now spiritually I'm taking in this unhealthy diet, you see. This, this web of lies that tells me I can still pick and choose where I want to obey God and where I don't want to obey God and still live a healthy spiritual life. See, that's a, that's a, a lie from the enemy. The moment you and I begin to reject God's will, decay is already setting in in our spirit. We already begin to start being unhealthy spiritually. And it manifests itself in so many different ways, which I wish I had time to get into today, but we don't. See, I'm, I'm getting at this true nourishment that God wants us all to engage in. Jesus told his disciples, they'd been with him every single day. You, you don't know this food. You haven't experienced it yet. 
My nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What does that mean in the end? You will never feel more satisfied in your spirit than when you are engaged in doing what God wants you to do, whatever it might be. Now listen to me. As I ask you to stand, let me ask you to uh, just stand to your feet for a moment. I'm going to get ready to close out with this one uh, verse here. Pastor Jason, I'll get to you in a moment, please. Listen to the exhortation from God's word for all of us. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's Romans 12, 2. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, everybody say then with me. When, then, meaning when your God changes the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. As we get ready to close in a moment, understanding the will of God begins with you and I saying, God, would you change the way I think? Would you help me to get all of this erroneous thoughts out of my mind? Help me to think about what is true. The fact that you saved me so that I could do your will here on this earth. That's the purpose why I'm here. Why you would ever want to use me? I don't know, God. But you have a plan for my life. You want to use me to encourage others. You want to use me to bring others into the kingdom. You want to use me to be a shining example of what it means to be a Christian who walks with Jesus. Every single day that you give me breath is a day that you have a new menu of your will for my life. I want you to change the way that I think so that that's the thing that will be topmost in my heart. That priority will be, I want to do God's will today. I can't change yesterday. And I can't even think about tomorrow. But today, whatever you bring to my heart, God, I want to embrace that as my most important thing in life.